Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. You might be surprised to know that I'm going to kick off this morning by talking about Man City's marvellous treble. Not quite as good as United's treble in 1999, but it'll do, it'll do. And the thing that struck me on, I, I, I got back from uh, Coventry, over to see about the last half an hour of, uh, and yeah, let's be fair, City are amazing, aren't they? Did I just say that? Did those words just come out of my mouth? But the thing that, I've even got my City strip on today, right? But, uh, but the thing that struck me, um, I don't know whether, uh, how many of you watched the FA Cup final, but at the very end was this. Because I, I, the secret, have we got that pit? No, not that. <laughs> have we got that photo? Yay. The thing that struck me at the very end, because really, the key secret of City's success, they've got some absolutely marvellous players. He's not Aguero, De Bruyne, or Vincent Company. He's this guy, isn't it? Pep Guardiola, the manager. And it was an extraordinary thing to see at the end of the game. Now, they've, they've basically wiped the board. They've won every trophy there is to win in, in Britain, England. And, uh, but at the end of the game, Raheem Sterling, who is their superstar striker, Pep Guardiola was absolutely battering him. He was like, come on, why do you do this? Why do you do that? He was coaching him for about five minutes when we expected them to be awash with champagne and high fives and doing the bumps and everything. Guardiola was just focused on getting this young man, A, to recognise his mistakes. I mean, the guy's just scored two goals in the FA Cup final. Two or three, depending. <laughs> but anyway, two officially, actually. Um, he tried to steal. He tried to steal one off Jesus. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> but uh, he just scored two goals in the FA Cup final, and all Guardiola wants is recognize your mistakes and do better next time. There's something about this kind of this level of leadership that was quite inspiring to me. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to rest on our laurels. We've won some marvellous trophies. We've got some victories. But we're going to go again. And that was the, uh, in the interview afterwards with, with the city's captain, Vincent Company. They said, the first thing Guardiola said when we came back from training, we won the premiership, we're going again. And we're not just going to win the premiership, we're going to win everything in sight. And they went and flipping did it, annoying blues that they are. And it struck me that, do you think sometimes... The Lord's a little bit like that with us. Do you think, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, you know, maybe we've seen some victories, maybe we've seen some breakthroughs, but we come together on a Tuesday morning or every morning we come together and it's like the Lord's, I've got more, I've got another level. We're still not the finished article. We may, you know, we may have seen some victories and some breakthroughs and some encouragements, but there's so much more. And the Holy Spirit just wants to take us to the next level, doesn't he? Don't you think so? Here's another thing I read reading Ryan Bunky's book this morning. All increase of faith, such as the disciples asked for in Luke 17, is given by the Holy Spirit through the word of God. It's impossible for faith to grow by prayer or worship alone. We must pray for faith, but we must also take the proper steps for our prayer to be answered. Namely, hearing or reading the word. The less our understanding of the word, the less our faith. We can have so little of the word under our feet that we do not stand on faith, but only balance on one toe. We may as well try and grow an apple tree on a damp cloth. 
Let's cultivate faith, cultivate faith by a paper book of somebody else's experience. We've got the word of God. And one of the things I often say to uh, our, our teams, whether it's our mission teams or our prison teams, our Eden team, our bus teams, is first and foremost, we're Bible teaching evangelists. And our job is to come into the word of God, come under the word of God, unless we cultivate a discipline, coming together with a bunch of Christians under the word of God every day is a great idea. But we also need to work on that personally. If we're going to be men and women of faith who build something beautiful and something long lasting, we've got the Holy Spirit who wants to take us to the next level as he reveals truth to us through the word of God. And faith, what does the Bible say? comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. That's why it is so important that any of our guys, whether it's the hundreds of people now we're training through advance or all the people who are going to schools are men and women of the word. Because faith comes through hearing, but hearing through the word of God. We've got to be people who love the word of God. And our responsibility is not to titivate people's ears, but to teach the word faithfully, relevantly, do everything we can to build a great platform. But first and foremost, we're Bible teaching evangelists. And what an honour it is to be able to come to the word of God, isn't it? The Bible that changes everything. And, and I may not do a great job, but the word can do its work if we, if we pray and we seek him. And on the back of prayer and worship, we come to the Bible. And I have the privilege on these um, Tuesday mornings of dipping into my favourite passages as Sam and Ben do a good job of, you know, taking us through the book of Luke and the letters to James. And I'm just picking out my favourite passages. And here we go. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus calms the storm. Let me read some verses, then I'll just bring a few thoughts out of this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also others in the boat with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Let's just pray. Lord, we pray that yeah, as we look into your word together, this amazing true story that happened, story that you've placed in your words so that we can grow stronger, that we can be more mature, so that our life can be built on a firmer foundation. Thank you that your word is living and active. It's sharper than anything on the earth. And I pray your word will do its work uh, as we look into it together today. Amen. All right. So here we are in Luke, in Mark chapter four and like as you know, we're seven months into Jesus' public ministry. And bit by bit, he's revealing just who he is. The last chapter is a series of parables. Amazing teaching. You know, the teachers were the big stars in Jesus' day. The people who could tell a great tale. And Jesus used the, 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 the medium of the day to communicate truth. But also, of course, he backed it up by these astonishing miracles. Healed every kind of sickness. And wherever he went, he was just liberally dishing out Forgiveness in a shocking way. 
to the, to the worst possible people. Jesus was just forgiving them, restoring them. So there was amazing teaching. There was spectacular miracles and there was glorious salvation. Sounds good, doesn't it? That's our Jesus. And it was all driven by this amazing rhythm of, of public ministry out there in front of the masses and pouring his lives into individuals, but also retreating lots of time with the Father. Lots of time seeking him, getting in the word. And in Mark chapter four, he kind of ups the ante altogether for the disciples. After a hard day's teaching and healing where thousands are, are vying and wanting a touch and wanting a word, he, he's obviously exhausted. It's clear from the text that Jesus is absolutely knackered at this point in his life. He's been just pouring himself out. Jesus felt tiredness just the way we do. And also Jesus knew that there was a need for a rhythm. If he was just all ministry, 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 all pouring himself into the crowd, he, he would burn out. And because he was, he was genius, he, he knew the right amount of time to rest, the amount of time to spend with the Father, the amount of time to be in frontline stuff, and the amount of time to retreat. Something I think, particularly at the start of the message, I wasn't so brilliant at. But you're an accident waiting to happen if you don't find that rhythm, that rhythm of, of rest and time in the word, and time in, in frontline ministry. Um, so Jesus says these words to his disciples that are absolutely music to his ears. You know, they've just they've been involved in full-on ministry, full-on revival ministry, thousands crowding. He says, let's go to the other side. Let's have some chill-out time. You know, me and you 12, we'll row to the other side. And uh, annoyingly, Several of the boats joined them. <laughs> you know, they, they started to row off and all these other guys jumped in their boats. The disciples must have been like, meh, this is our time with Jesus. And they're all rowing. And they're all rowing across the Sea of Galilee. And the other boats regretted that decision because the Bible says a furious storm brewed up. As can happen in the Sea of Galilee. Suddenly, incredibly dangerous storms can spring up. Deadly storms. And this was a particularly deadly storm because the disciples most of them who were professional fishermen thought they were going to die I mean that is like a serious storm they've been out well the waves have been rolling but this time they really thought they were going to die and uh, it's funny that isn't it the expert mariners were petrified whilst the carpenter slept because Jesus is asleep on his cushion at the back of the boat and in their terror they wake Jesus up and rudely say don't you care if we drown I mean, imagine that saying to Jesus, don't you care? Imagine saying to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who's left heaven and come to earth, you know, Bethlehem all the way to, through Nazareth to Jerusalem and on, saying to him, don't you care? You clowns. But Jesus stood up and said, quiet, be still. And you perhaps know it's almost the rebuke you would give to a, a naughty dog that's snapping at your heels. I, I've been like the last uh, couple of months cycling more than any time in my life. And even when I went away for weekends, I was putting my bike in the back of the car. And so I was cycling around Anglesey um, about a month ago in training for the ride. And this stupid little Yorkshire Terrier attacks my bike. Little dog like this, I saw it come flying across the road and it attacked my wheel and it's hanging on my wheel like this. I'm like, down you stupid little dog. 
And that's almost the word Jesus had to this furious storm. Quiet, be still, down. And as Jesus said down, instantly the Sea of Galilee was like a mill pond. Wow. And just so the disciples really knew it was a miracle, you know, because waves after a furious storm like that could go on for days and days and would go on. But the Bible says the Sea of Galilee was still like a mill pond. And Jesus said to his astonished disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And understandably, the disciples were completely freaked out by this whole experience and said, who is this? You know, even the wind and waves obey him. Wouldn't you love to have been there? Wow. Three things from this story then, just that maybe will help us. First thing, Jesus longs to draw faith out of us. Faith in Jesus is literally the most powerful force in the universe and we need to regularly do a faith test are we walking in faith are we operating in faith are we men and women of faith because Jesus will put us through all kinds of stuff to stretch our faith to test our faith our faith based on his faithfulness see we choose to accept the credibility of God because he who promised is faithful God wants to draw faith out of us because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But anything is possible for the person who has faith. And you know what I'm talking about. You can sniff faith when you walk into a ministry or you walk into a church or you meet an individual. You know, if there's somebody who's operating in faith and they're infectious, aren't they? The kind of places where I want to step out. I want to have greater adventures for God. I want to do more. I want to believe again. I want to go again. I want to put my trust in this trustworthy God in greater measure. I want to be seen as a man or woman of faith. You know, you know those kind of places. And you also know the places and the people that just suck the faith out of you. They just lost the confidence in God. You know, maybe they had some faith adventures in the past, but I want to be a man who's not like, wow, wasn't it amazing in the early days of the message when we were walking in faith? I want to be a man of faith. See, the Bible says that we're made right with God in the first place by faith. We come into his presence by faith. It says the spirit resides in our hearts and our lives by faith. And we have Jesus with us continually by faith. It's kind of important that we are people who grow in faith. And all the evidence of history says that you as an individual and we as a ministry, as a body, are having the impact we're having according to our faith. So how much are you really trusting Jesus? How much you built things in your life? So in your praying, in your giving, in your serving, you're stuffed if God doesn't turn up. Or actually, if, if like... You know, if they remove the faith bit from your life, how different would it be? We need to be people of faith. And you may have heard me say this before, but it is fascinating, isn't it? Somebody did some research about fast-growing churches in Australia. 
and uh, right every different type of worship teaching style doctrine you know the conservative people who are growing fast hill songs all the different churches that we're seeing accelerated growth what is it is there anything about it anything about the venues anything about the the strategies anything about the worship style or the you know the teaching style or anything 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 the only thing they could possibly find with all these fast growing dynamic churches was they thought they were going to grow they, they had plans for growth. They believed they were going to grow. Or the people believed they were going to grow. The leadership believed they were going to grow. They were planning for growth. That's why when you hear about denominations that are planning for decline, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? You know, you read about the Methodist church selling off all its buildings, the Anglican church. Well, we need to, you know, reorganize all these parishes because we're going to get a lot smaller. Yes, you are. But then you read about the churches that have got dynamic faith and belief for accelerated growth. You know, as long as the sound built on the word of God, guess what? They're going to grow because it's according to your faith. As you know, over the years, our finances have been such a stress and how annoying that I can even get stressed about finances anymore. You know, because we, we go through the same thing. Same thing when we used to need a thousand pounds a a week to run the ministry, and uh, we're going to pay the bills, and then you know we need one hundred twenty-five thousand pound a week now. And guess what? It's according to our faith, and God always provides, and God's amazing. And you know that the only time in Scripture we see Jesus is amazed is through faith. And I love that Louis reminded us yesterday of the Canaanite woman in Matthew fifteen, the Gentile who Jesus said, look at you, you've got great faith. It was, it was, the, it was the Gentiles who, who Jesus saw great faith in, wasn't it? It was the centurion who was amazed at his faith when the centurion said, you don't even need to come to my house. How about a bunch of Gentiles in Manchester with great faith in Jesus? He comes into this place, he's amazed by our faith. We're just putting it all on the line for him. Because we're basing everything on his trustworthiness. Wouldn't you love that? Jesus comes to the message and he finds a people of faith that he can cooperate with. Our faith, which is like the, the fuse. There's the 10 billion volts of power coming from heaven. And there's a little fuse of faith that unleashes that on the world. Let us be those people. Let us not be like the people of Jesus' hometown in Mark 6, where he went back home and he was amazed by their lack of faith. Uh, and I think so much of the church, Jesus is like, oh, people, look at history. Look at my promises. Look at my word. How can you be so lacking in faith? Jesus, let us be pleased when you come to the message, be amazed. And it was so, it was why Jesus was so gutted in verse 40 when the disciples were in such a flap. And what did he say to them? Do you still have no faith? You've heard the teaching, you've seen the miracles, you've seen the changed lives, you still have no faith. And this was a test of faith. Louis talked about tests of faith yesterday, didn't he? This was a test of faith for the disciples. Are you ready to be sent out two by two to do what I'm doing yet? Are you ready to go out and heal the sick and cast out the demons? No, they weren't. They hadn't grown the faith muscle enough. And maybe this was a defining moment for them when that next step when Jesus, the master coach, came alongside him and said, you better than that. Moaning at me, you don't care, getting in the flap, the storm's going to take us out. No, I'm with you, I'm in the boat. It's going to be fine. 
I want to be a person, a man, and I want this ministry to be marked by faith. God stretches in faith. Jesus will take us to all kinds of situations to build our faith. So let us be seen as men and women of faith. So the first thing is Jesus wants to take us to the next level of faith. The second thing is Jesus is bigger than any threat life throws at us. And as we go on, for sure, some heavy stuff will be thrown at us. You know, we will face some major challenges in life. And there is that cheesy chorus, with Jesus in the boat, I can smile at the storm, smile at the storm, smile at the storm. You know that song? No. Jesus in the boat, I can smile at the storm. Could be big. Um, with Jesus in the boat, I can... No, no, we're not going to smile at cancer, are we? We're not going to smile at financial ruin. We're not going to smile at relationship breakdown or, or when we lose a loved one. We're not, not going to smile at those. Those are terrible things. But what, gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to move forward with the gutsy faith of Pete Gregg, you know, when leading the prayer ministry and his wife gets a tumour on the brain and all, all that goes on with that. And he says, sometimes life's a bitch, but God is still good. That's grown up faith, isn't it? That's grown. Sometimes there's a storm that's terrifying going all around us, but Jesus is with us. And he may feel occasionally like he is asleep, but he's with us. And he can take us through the storm every time. And we do not suffer like other people. Paul was able to say, and Paul had a, a special ministry. Oh, thank God I've not got that ministry. You know, I'm going to show you what it's like to suffer, Paul. And you're going to show the world what it's like to suffer. That's what he said under Damascus Road. I'm going to show you what it means to suffer. But Paul was able to say, we rejoice in the Lord, not in our current circumstances. I mean, that's grown up faith, isn't it? I don't rejoice in the circumstances. I'm not happy about these horrible things that happen in this fallen world. But I'm able to rejoice. I'm able to write my most joyful letters in the face of the most appalling circumstances. That's amazing, isn't it? This painful trial will not go on forever. That's the, always the Christian. I mean, it, it may go on during this life, but it will not go on forever. And this life is a speck in all eternity. And Jesus is right in there with you. And you can come out of whatever storm life takes you through better instead of bitter. Sometimes, don't you think in a trite way, we quote Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Well, that's true, but it's not read in context because the passage actually says, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who have been called according to his purpose, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The good that God wants to work in every situation, through every storm, through every trial, through every difficulty, is that we may be conformed to the likeness of Christ. A man who was, who was familiar with sufferings. He overcame. He had an incredible power, incredible peace and incredible joy. But he went through the most appalling sufferings. And the good that God wants to bring out of every circumstance is to make us more like Jesus. And he will take us through some scary situations to get us to that place. And we discover that he's good. And so the final thing. 
It's Jesus is Lord of all creation. I told you about going to, uh, on one of my bike rides and uh, turning up at Jodrell Bank because I needed a wee. <laughs> and I just went in and I didn't look around the visitor centre, just went to the cafe. That was good enough. Wow, and I actually got the proper stats this morning. I walked into Jodrell Bank and, it, and, and the cafe of Jodrell Bank is a, a series of pictures. It's a picture of the moon. The moon which is 1.3 seconds away, light years away. Basically, we see the moon 1.3 seconds after, if you understand what I mean. The sun, 93 million miles away, is just over eight minutes away. So we're, what we're seeing is the sun eight minutes ago because it takes that long for the light to travel to us. You get me? The furthest star that we can see in our universe, and this is not the furthest star, this is just the furthest star that we've been able to see with our most powerful telescope, is 13.26 billion years away. It takes light 13.26 billion years traveling at 186,000 miles a second get your head around this for that for that image to reach us and the stars probably not even there anymore is it many of them I mean it does it boggle the mind it's meant to boggle the mind because the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And this is what the Bible says about our Jesus. Jesus who was born in that, that stable in Bethlehem. Jesus who, who died on a cross. Jesus who allowed his disciples to be lippy to him and say, don't you care? In the last days God spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The sun is the exact representation of God's glory, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus holds the whole universe together. This vast eternal universe is held together by Jesus' powerful word. He spoke and the universe was formed. And we're meant to go, wow, when we look at the heavens. But we're meant to go, Wow, you're with me, you're in me, you're big enough actually to take me all the way through life and allow me to make a mark in this generation and then be welcomed into heaven with you for all eternity. He's strong enough to save us and to save all men. Of course he is, he's God. I mean, that's Jesus, our Jesus, who's with us, who we worship. Sometimes we just need to fall on our faces, don't we? goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 1, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. The heaven are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they'll be changed, but you remain the same. One day, Jesus will roll up this universe like a robe. That's our Jesus. That's what we're talking about. That's how powerful Jesus is. Sometimes you're like, wow, you entered this earth. You became not just a man, but a baby. Well, you were nailed to a cross because of your great love. And my personal conviction, I'm not saying this is 100% sound, this is just Andy's sense, is that this funny little blue ball in the middle of this vast universe is the only place we're ever going to find life. Because God's chosen this little ball to work out his purposes. He wanted to have a people and this little blue planet in the middle of all this majesty is where God visited and where 
God, was, God died. God took the punishment that we deserve on the cross. He rose again and he's working out his purposes. Is anybody excited about that? Is he like, I think I'll trust him today. I think I'll put my life in his hands. I, I think I, I want to be seen as a, 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 as a man or a woman of faith. I want to trust him. I want to exert my faith. I even want to embrace my sufferings. I don't enjoy them. I'm not looking for them. But I'm willing, as long as I can be seen faithful, when I see that glorious king face to face. Let's stand together then. Stir us up, Lord. Yeah, any of us that are a bit sleepy this morning or about to miss this, your word that's so powerful, I pray, wake us up, God. Wake us up to how glorious you are and how marvellous. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the king, you're the Lord, you're the creator. You made everything. You're big enough and strong enough. Thank you that you're for us. What more could you do? You're bigger than any threat life throws at us. And Lord, I know you, we know you want us to be a people of faith. So I pray, Lord, you'll show us what, it likes, what it's like as the message to move in this season from faith to faith. Our faith will grow. On the basis of your faithfulness, we'll be men and women of faith. Do you want that? Amen. Say amen. amen. Lord, do it in us. Stir us up in faith, I pray. Great faith adventures in prisons and schools and new nations and new opportunities, Lord. I just pray we'll move forward together, sharpening in each other. And I pray whenever people meet me, I pray they'll get a faith lift. And I pray for each one of us that, yeah, people at the message will be known as those people of faith going for it relentlessly after you, faithful God. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 